Old Testament to New Testament till the birth of Christ, till the ministry of Christ, until the death of Christ. And you remember how when he died, he tore the veil in two, God in his secret power. That was, in God's mind, the end of Levitical Jewish worship. But in the Jewish apostasy, in their blindness, they continued on. They denied that Christ was the Messiah. And in their unbelief, they persecuted the early church until A.D. 70. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of our Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Ian Gallagher, and today we're continuing in the book of Daniel into chapter 7, and we're into these brilliant prophecies that are made of various earthly kingdoms. And of course, it all points to that everlasting kingdom that shall never end, never feel. We are in that kingdom as Christians, as believers. We are in the kingdom of God's dear Son. We have our faith in the one who is King of kings, Lord of lords, who is given all authority to reign over the nations, and he is building his church. What a wonderful thing that the Lord is ruling the world to build his church. And if you're a Christian, you are in. You are a subject in that kingdom. Stay tuned now as we turn to our message. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me, and my countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. Amen. Please stand with me as we pray. We'll ask the Lord to help us tonight. Father in heaven, we bow humbly in your presence, and we tremble at your word this evening. We ask that thou wilt grant light and understanding. We pray that we may grasp the wonderful purposes of God in building your church, saving your people, and putting down every wicked imagination. We ask that you will cause thy fear to rule our hearts. Help me in the pulpit, Lord. I pray for the ministry of the Holy Spirit that you have promised. And I call upon thee, Father, to send the Holy Spirit unto me. I call upon thee, Lord Jesus, that as you promised that you would send another to be a guide and to be our helper, O come, grant the Holy Spirit's help. Bless every hearer. May there be grace for every soul. We ask it all in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. I want to humbly say at the beginning of this message that just like Daniel, I don't have all the answers. Just as Daniel asked the question, what do all these things mean? And he was told to seal up the book until the end of time. One of the marvels of Bible inspiration that the very men who wrote the prophecies were sometimes confounded 
by the very things that they themselves root. And so we recognize that God is greater than us. The mind of God is wiser than us. And this book is much bigger than us. But as we look into this Daniel 7, we are uh, brought to realize that the Christian faith is based upon the coming of the Lord Jesus into the world. And it's all about the Lord setting up his kingdom, his gospel kingdom in the earth, a kingdom that will abide forever. Now for this, Christ lived and Christ died. And for this, he rose again. And of course, one day he shall come again to gather in all his saints. And I hope that in our Bible reading this evening, you learned about the thousands upon thousands of saints that are gathered into that kingdom. And my prayer, of course, is that you are one of those saints, a child of God who is redeemed and included in that wonderful kingdom that shall last forever and forever. Now, always, and I mean always, whatever battles and whatever struggles the church must go through, the Lord wins. I see the same pattern in the book of Daniel as I found in the book of Revelation. Whatever the mysterious enemy, whatever the forces of hell at work, the Lord wins the battle. He goes forth conquering and to conquer that he might get the victory for his church. And so this book of Daniel, as I scan it, as I think of it in the big bird's eye view, it is about the Lord getting the victory and winning the battle. Now, when we read the book of Daniel, at first, it's very daunting. I cannot tell you the many hours that I have spent. I cannot tell you the weariness of mind and eyes trying to learn what do all these things mean. And then God in his grace gives us that eureka moment, that moment when we say, aha, that is it. When the light comes on and the truth of God begins to make sense. In this book, there is the history of four kingdoms plus one. And the plus one is what we're all about. Now, those four kingdoms are laid out again and again and again in this book of Daniel. In chapter two, we had Nebuchadnezzar's dream. We had that head of gold. We had that torso of silver. And then the brass loins and the legs of iron and clay. And those are four kingdoms. But we learned in chapter 2 that it's all about number 5, the plus 1. And that is, through it all, the Lord is building his kingdom. For example, chapter 2 and verse 44. 
Now, we're going back into familiar ground because the first six chapters of Daniel are well known, and we have already preached through them over the summer period. We're told in chapter 244, in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. Now, that ought to be our focus. And indeed, that is the focus of this book of Daniel. And you'll see in verse 45 as well, for as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it break in pieces, the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter, and the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof is sure. And that becomes the repeated pattern right through this book of Daniel. And once you get that, you will have your eureka moment. Turn with me to uh, chapter, well, this really comes up, chapter 2, chapter 7, which we just read, comes up again in chapter 8 and in chapter 11. Now, getting the plan of the book is very important. The book of Daniel is not chronological. It is not starting chapter 1, verse 1, and working its way to the end of time. No, it is layered. Indeed, chapter 7 is the great big canvas with the big brushed outline of the whole period of what God is doing. Now, in chapter 7, 1, just want to let you see the point that this book is not chronological, it goes back and adds layer upon layer. Chapter 7, 1 says, in the first year of Belshazzar, the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon. Now, he was Nebuchadnezzar's son or grandson. And then in chapter 8, verse 1, the third year of Belshazzar. Chapter 9, 1, you have the year of Darius, the first year of Darius. Chapter 10, you have the third year of Cyrus. And then chapter 11, 1, it goes back again to the first year of Darius. And these are separate visions. They are separate chunks of information that are added on to the same canvas. If you can imagine painting a picture, Chapter 7, you get the broad outline, the great big brush strokes. And then chapter 8, you fill in a few details. Chapter 9, another vision, and you fill in some more details. And you keep going until the picture is more and more complete. Now, what is the scope of this prophecy when it talks about times and end of times and so on? Well, there is a definite, local, historical scope in the kingdoms and the kings that are related to. There is a real history, real kings, real nations. They're not only in the Bible, you'll find them in the history books. They are the kings of Chaldea, the kings of Persia, the kings of Greece, and of Rome. 
And so they span vast period of time. You think of all the years that are between the Old Testament and the New. And when you study the book of Daniel, it takes you right across that expanse of time. Now, I don't want to try to make us historians, but we can avoid history to some degree. And I won't weary you with a whole lot of details and little issues and various events, but I want to give you some markers that really pin down the scope of this book of Daniel. There is the marker of the year 606, when Daniel was taken off from Jerusalem, and he was taken into exile in Babylon. He was a young man. He was then put into training for royal service in the palace of Babylon. That was the year 606 when he was carried off. There was a 70-year captivity whenever Cyrus was on the throne, and he gave the commission to go back and rebuild. That's the year 536 B.C., and that's a very important date to remember. And when we get into Daniel's vision of the 70 weeks, that will become very, very important to us. The next big marker after rebuilding what was the second temple, Solomon's was the first temple in the days of Nehemiah and of Haggai and so on. It was the second temple. And then that expanse of time for the Jewish nation when worship began in the temple again, sacrifices morning and evening, that was their Jewish institution. And that continued all the way through the intertestamental times, Old Testament to New Testament, till the birth of Christ, till the ministry of Christ, until the death of Christ, and you remember how when he died, he tore the, uh, the, the, the uh, veil in two, God in his secret power. That was, in God's mind, the end of Levitical Jewish worship. But in the Jewish apostasy, in their blindness, they continued on. They denied that Christ was the Messiah, and in their unbelief, they persecuted the early church until A.D. 70. Well, really, A.D. 66, when the Romans started a campaign to exterminate everything Jewish. But by A.D. 70, the city, the temple, was rubble. And to this day, there's only one wall left. It's called the Western Wall or the Wailing Wall, but everything else is gone. The Jewish institution ended. We may get into some of this issue later. There was over a million Jews died under the brutal crushing of the Roman Empire. But 97,000 were taken into captivity, into slavery, and that was the end of the Jewish institution. So what we read here in these four kingdoms, plus one, that is the kingdom of Christ, 
covers the scope of 606 B.C. right to A.D. 70. Now, if you can get that, if you can hold on to those markers, it will greatly help you when you read and study the book of Daniel. Now, we come tonight to chapter 7, and it truly is an amazing chapter in God's Word. And there are four things here. There are amazing prophecies, amazing providences, amazing purposes, and then the amazing person, the Son of Man. This is the first mention of that title given to our Lord Jesus, which, as you know, in the Gospels, he claimed that was his most common favorite title, in referring to himself as the Son of Man. So we start with the amazing prophecies. Now, when I say amazing, I don't speak glibly. You know, this is a day when people go, oh, it's amazing, amazing, amazing. No, I don't, I don't mean that lightly at all. I mean this is absolutely mind-boggling. It is beyond our can, our comprehension whatsoever. Because here... The content is beyond the human ability to predict, to foretell, to prophesy of such nations rising and falling, all in their proper order, all in the mind of God and carried out in the future. And between this Old and New Testament, let me tell you, there is a massive history of the Jewish people and their preservation, because God did preserve them through all of these various kingdoms that rose and fell. Now, we begin where we must begin at verse 1 and read verse 1 to 3. The first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel, had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matters. Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of the heaven strove upon the great sea, and four great beasts came up from the sea. Now the sea here speaks of the world. The four winds of heaven shows us that these things are directed in heaven. Nothing is happening by mistake or by chance. It is under the complete control of God. We read of these four beasts, which are four big nations. The Chaldeans, the Persians, the Greeks, and the Romans. Now, when you go to verse 4, you will see that the Chaldean nation is like a lion. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. Now, when the Chaldeans conquered Judea, Jerusalem, and carried Daniel and his friends off to Babylon, they were unbeatable. They were powerful like a lion. And these were empire builders that were expanding and expanding their dynasties 
and poor Jerusalem in the midst came under the realm of the Babylonians. And it wasn't long until more and more of the people were carried off right down to 586 BC and the Chaldeans were in power. Now in verse 5, you have a bear. And this is now the next nation. Behold, another beast, a second like to a bear, and it raised itself up on one side. And so you have this bear standing on its hind legs, acting something like a man. And uh, we know that this vision is of another nation. And then as we go down uh, to verse 6, we have this vision of the leopard. The leopard with four wings, and it had four heads. This is a swift animal with the ability to fly, it would appear. The four heads show not only its stealth, but its ability to rule in many directions at one time. And then the, verse 7 is the fourth kingdom, and you'll see that his fourth beast, well, it has teeth of iron. So verse 4 to 8 are the visions or prophecies that are given to Daniel, and they're fierce. They are shocking, and they cause Daniel to tremble. In the very last verse of the chapter, verse 28, he says, My cogitations much troubled me. That simply means my inner thoughts, my emotions troubled me. And that comes up again and again. So what are they? What are they? Well, let the Bible speak. That's what we believe in tonight. You wouldn't be here this evening if you did not expect that we let the Bible speak. Verse 17 gives us the answer. It says, these great beasts, which are four, are four kings, which shall arise out of the earth. We are not of them that look for hidden meanings. We are not of them who try to make some fanciful notions out of these symbols, which are already explained and reduced in real terms to real kings, real kingdoms or nations that exist in history, in real time, and which now are each fulfilled. Now, they fulfill the period from, well, Daniel's captivity, 606 BC, right through to 70 AD. And we will see this under our next heading, Amazing Providences. Now, it's one thing to make glowing prophecies and predictions. It's another thing to see them wonderfully perfectly fulfilled. And that is the honey in the pot for us tonight. These prophecies are fulfilled until the time of Christ. They were not empty, meaningless symbols meant simply to fill men's hearts with fear. They were fulfilled in real time. 
Now, as we mentioned, chapter 7, verse 4, the lion refers to Chaldea. We take that because you'll see in that verse 4 that this lion, that it was made stand upon the feet as a man, and a man's heart was given to it. Now, you remember what God did with Nebuchadnezzar when he lost his senses and he was driven out and he was insane. And then God gave him a new heart. He was a, a changed man. And from that, he befriended Daniel. He befriended the people of God. And it was to make God's name known right throughout the empire. listening to Let the Bible Speak. Well, I hope that you found the honey in the pot. The truth that the Lord always fulfills his word. And that means that we can take his prophecies, stand upon them, and live in hope. We can also take every promise, claim them, and know the blessing and the help of the Lord in every aspect of our Christian lives. Just because we have this confidence that the Word of God is accurate, even in its prophetical statements. And in the Old Testament prophecy, we have uh, the, the wonderful uh, hope that these things have already been fulfilled. We're not waiting for them to take place. Christ has come. He is the Son of Man, and he has come in power. He came and has given his life on the cross. He, has re he is raised again from the dead, and he is the resurrection and the life. And then we have Pentecost, and the whole dynamic of the church changes from one of past into present and future. And so we have this wonderful and this glorious hope. I hope that today that you will take heart, that you will take heed, and that you will believe the book and believe in the Lord Jesus as your Savior. If I can be of any personal help to encourage you in your personal walk or to call on the Lord to save your soul, then feel free to be in touch, and you'll have all the announcements coming up. We also like to encourage people to send for our booklet, A New Beginning. It is a guide on the way of God's salvation from A to Z. So, may the Lord bless you today. Take heart, take hope, and take note of these announcements coming up. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to 
www.ltbs.ca, CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 187- 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. <music>